From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rabina ahmed Haq, and we're going to talk about all things personal finance and workplace in the next hour. We have a fantastic Father's Day show for you later in the program. We're going to talk to someone from Robert Half. It's the recruiting company that did a survey of working dads and what they want in this new normal that we are experiencing after the pandemic. Our working dads overwhelmingly saying that they want to continue to have flexibility and work-life balance through hybrid and remote work options. And the survey actually found that they are willing to take a pay cut in order to make that happen. So we'll break down some of the results of that survey and really focused on what dads want from their workplace, from their boss, from their employer going forward. No one wants to go back to that old model of nine to five, commuting in sometimes an hour each way. A lot of people know that that was something that really did erode their family life. And now that we have found a way to work and spend more time with our family, many people don't want to go back, including working dads, to the way things were before March 2020. We're also going to be talking to somebody from the 2S LGBTQIA plus community about Pride Month. Now, a lot of companies are displaying Pride merchandise and posters and doing campaigns, but some are criticizing them I'm calling it rainbow washing. So really capitalizing on Pride Month, but not doing the work in the 11 months that happen after Pride Month that really support that community. We'll be talking to the owner of Craig's Cookie. He's a queer business owner in the city of Toronto about uh, what he thinks about rainbow washing and how he's been able to grow his small business during the pandemic. Before we get to all of that, though, I want to talk about the labor numbers that came out late last week. It showed that Canada lost 17 thousand jobs in the month of May. Now we have to put those numbers into context. It pushed unemployment up to 5.2%. So it's still a very low unemployment number. Most Canadians who are looking for work have been able to find work because the employment numbers show that most of us are in a job. The job losses came primarily in the age group of 15 to 24. So young people are taking their time starting their summer jobs or seasonal work. And that is really what's pushing that employment uh, unemployment number higher. Uh, the, the biggest increase was among uh, people aged 25 to 54. The economy added 63,000 jobs in that category. And men in that age, uh, age range made up the bulk of those job gains, uh, uh, adding 43,000 jobs. Now, that's a lot of numbers, but really it does indicate that there's still a lot of jobs being added right now. But young people uh, are not joining the workforce at the same rate as as they normally do at this time. Now, there could be a couple of reasons for that. One, we've had three years where a lot of those temporary seasonal jobs have not been available, so they may not have the connections to easily get into their summer jobs, into their seasonal jobs, and so they may be taking some time in order to figure out where they're going to be working. Uh, many may be also completing school online that perhaps they weren't able to do during the pandemic, and so they're actually in uh, university or college programs over the summer that they're taking to make up for work they might have lost, and so that may- takes them out of the workforce as well. Uh, but for uh, for young people, 
uh, right now, this is the time, right? Summer jobs is when they make the bulk of their money and hoping the numbers in June come out to show that many of them have been able to find work uh, in this post-pandemic experience that we're in right now. What these job numbers do show us is that the interest rate hikes that the Bank of Canada has been implementing are working. Um, it also does put pressure on them to perhaps raise rates again because unemployment is still at a near historic low. We've gotten great GDP data in the last little while. It shows the economy is hotter than what economists were expecting. Inflation ticked higher in the month of April, which is the latest data we have right now. And all of that indicates that if most Canadians are working, that they can manage a higher interest rate. Unfortunately, for those who have variable rate mortgages or money out of a line of credit, that is going to make life more expensive. But we could see another interest rate hike because of these numbers that are coming out showing that uh, jobs in those key categories are still being added. When we come back, we're going to talk to a queer owner of a cookie company in Toronto who's actually been able to grow their business during the pandemic, something small businesses found really difficult to do. He's adding stores all across the city of Toronto and also a store in Newfoundland. Uh, we'll talk to him about what it means to be a queer business owner in Pride Month and also his reaction to a lot of things that are happening with big corporations, namely Target in the United States that pulled some of their Pride merchandise after people complained that they did not like that Target was uh, embracing pride in the way that they were. We'll have all those stories when we come back. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is for what it's worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Huck. Happy Pride to all our listeners. June is Pride Month, and what better way to celebrate than by highlighting a small business in the 2S LGBTQIA community? Craig Pike is the owner of Toronto-based Craig's Cookies, and he's here to talk about not only how he grew his business during the pandemic, but also about the growing problem of rainbow washing that he sees going on with many big corporations. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rubina. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I first wanted to start by asking, you know, how, how would you describe rainbow washing? What does that mean? I think it's really personal and it has to do with just our own kind of relationships with how we see and represent marginalized communities. Um, we see it a lot during June, uh, during the Pride Month within the 2S LGBTQIA plus community. And, you know, I, I'm i of two minds about it. I see any kind of representation as as important. Um, it gives It gives a visual to to folks that are are members of a, any kind of uh, minority. So while rainbow washing is something that definitely happens during June, and I think that we can learn how to um, make better impacts while businesses are supporting um, supporting pride, I do feel like uh, I do feel like it has become a bit out of hand, or maybe let's say. Uh, media has really taken um, taken charge of uh, telling the stories that, um, like like Target, let's say, what's happening mm -hmm. down the states, um, really kind of just expressing those stories as opposed to really talking about what the, what the actual purpose of Pride Month is. 
if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go into any store during June and they have a, a lot of uh, beautiful merchandise and they have mm -hmm. signs. But, it, you know, it, sometimes it can feel like, are you just doing this because it's seen as being trendy to do during June? You want to look like you're an ally, but you're not actually doing the work the other 11 months of the year. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I still wanted to hear from you about what you think of big corporate brands. I mean, Target is one example. We'll talk about that in a second. But any any big department store you go into, Walmart, uh, any Loblaws stores, I mean, there's pride signage everywhere. What, what What's your reaction to that of corporations really getting on board and and making it, uh, making it a celebration that they want to be a part of uh, by selling merchandise with, for example, rainbows on it? Exactly. You know, I think capitalism isn't going anywhere. So it's how do we live and exist within capitalism? Myself, as the owner of a business within Toronto and in Canada, I try my best to look at socialist ideals while existing within capitalism. So when you go into a place like Walmart and these big, big brands, you know, I think I think it's important that they do represent pride and have rainbows everywhere. You know, I think I think there are definitely um, folks across Canada outside of the GTA and within the GTA that do need to be reminded about pride. Um, and so wherever that can happen, uh, I'm a full supporter. I think the the questions that it's kind of twofold. What are businesses doing outside, like you said, outside of the the month of June? So the other 11 months of the year, but then what are we doing individually to educate ourselves about pride, about how to best support, not even the queer community, but any marginalized community. So it's not just being a passive bystander or uh, consumer, but really taking the responsibility to do your own education and research, because the more that we educate ourselves, the more that we can understand, and then the more we can actually spread love. Target, you mentioned it, so did I, uh, pulled some mm -hmm. of their merchandise after they received backlash in the States. I've seen some of the videos of uh, parents in there, uh, you know, trying to sort of make uh, an issue out of why Target was doing this. I guess it was enough pressure for them to want to pull their merchandise. What do you make of all of that? I mean, a lot of people have said that really showed the company's true colors, that if they can't, if they can't handle the backlash, they're not actually there to do the work. They're just there to capitalize on the fact that it's Pride Month and they want to sell some merchandise. What do you make of that? Them putting all this display on and then pulling it once there was a little bit of backlash? You know, I don't know the ba the the backstory of of why uh, why the CEOs and the heads of of Target did what they did. I can speak from a business owner for myself, and it is scary. I mean, I think putting putting yourself out there, um, and I mean, Craig's Cookies is very different than Target, but I can speak from from myself putting myself out there as a business owner and letting Craig's Cookies be a reflection of my values and my ethics isn't necessarily an easy thing. It's definitely, there's been moments and times where I have been scared. I have been worried for my my own teams, my own safety. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, I do though realize and appreciate that I have a responsibility as a business owner to, uh, to have my business reflect my values. And um, if I can do it, then I do open a debate or question around why a big company like Target can't. And that brings me to what big companies can do. They've got deep pockets. They have the ability to really put a message out there in a big way. 
what can big brands do to support the 2S LGBTQIA plus community without looking like they're just profiting from it? Absolutely. Uh, what, you know, there's, there is opportunity to, to make money off of these products that they're selling, like you said. So are you taking a percentage of, of, of those profits and donating them to organizations that support members of the 2S LGBTQIA plus community? At Craig's Cookies, we, uh, we have a cookie called the Ruby Red this year, and we're donating all of our proceeds to um, an organization called Friends of Ruby, which helps support uh, member, young members of, of the queer community. Uh, it's also looking at how are you supporting um, your team members and your staff outside of June? So um, are you offering benefits uh, that are specific to the needs of, uh, of the queer community? Um, are, you, are you focusing on hiring diverse groups of, of employees throughout the year that, uh, that aren't even necessarily just members of the queer community, but just any kind of minority or marginalized communities? So what are you doing outside of June is, is, would be my biggest question. Yeah, exactly. Like talk to us in September or October when we're much past Pride Month and it's not something that you're trying to capitalize on, but actually doing the work of uh, spreading, spreading, like you said, spreading love, spreading the positive messages. Um, how are you marking this month? Uh, you're a small business here in Toronto. You've got many locations. How are you marking it, uh, marking Pride Month? Yeah, you know, like I, when I first started uh, the company five years ago, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary of our first uh, bricks and mortar. I remember when we opened in Parkdale, we had that first location. It was painted yellow, like uh, like my homes in Newfoundland. I'm from St. John's, and uh, when Pride Month was upon us, I was looking at the space and I thought, "Oh my gosh, I have this building that I can do whatever I want with." So, you know, not that it's superficial at all, but I, I really wanted to celebrate um, celebrate the space that I had and the visualization of, of the space that we had within the city. So we painted the entire building rainbow um, and we're continuing that kind of celebration at all of our locations uh, this year with, uh, with pride flags and um, that also include the color, the trans colors and the BIPOC colors. Um, mm -hmm. We're also, uh, like I said, we have our, our ruby red cookie that's available from uh, June 1st to the end of June. Um, it's a delicious white chocolate cookie dipped in uh, ruby red chocolate um, with ruby red sprinkles, kind of uh, circa Judy Garland, let's say. Um, and uh, I'm really proud to say that all those proceeds, like I said, are going to uh, Friends of Ruby. Um, and then also just, you know, just continuing to just really, really kind of listen and hear members of the queer community that work for Craig's Cookies. Um, and, you know, as as we grow and as the world grows, how do we how do we grow with it as businesses? You know, it takes it takes time, it takes effort, it takes humility. I've I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at it um, as a member of the queer community even. Um, but uh, I think the more that we kind of had these conversations and really just listen and ask the questions and try our best to hold on to grace while we're trying to figure all of these things out, you know, the better everything will be in the long run. I know from what I've read that you started delivering cookies, it's been almost a decade, and you said you've been in business with Craig's Cookies five years. Tell me a little bit about how you wanted to get into the space, because it's a very specific industry that you have decided to get into. <laughs> it's not like you opened a bakery and you're offering cakes and other things, just cookies. Uh, tell me a little bit about how it, that came to be and how you've grown that business, especially during the last three years. 
Absolutely. And you're right. I started the company in 2013, uh, 10 years ago. I, I was working in Niagara-on-the-Lake at the Shaw Festival. It's a, a theater company that um, has been around for about 50 or 60 years in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And I spent four seasons there as a classical actor. And when I moved back to Toronto in 2013, I found uh, myself without work for about a month. And I remembered I used to sell, uh, I used to make chocolate chip cookies and bring them to my friends' parties in high school. And people loved them. So I thought, well, oh, maybe I'll sell chocolate chip cookies and chocolate chip cookies and, uh, and help pay my phone bills. So that's how it all started. In that first month, I sold um, 200 dozen cookies and uh, just from Instagram and Facebook. And I went away and did some acting. And then over the next five years, I would, uh, I would just do that. I would, I would make cookies and sell them on the side of the road or deliver them on my bike. And uh, five years ago, we opened our first location in Toronto. We now have five in the city and one in St. John's, Newfoundland with our first franchise actually opening on July 1st in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question there or not. I. <laughs> I have a bit no, of ADHD, I think that you did. It basically started with. <laughs> no, you absolutely did. You basically started with your friends saying, "These are good cookies. You should do something." With this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. totally. And and, and you that's know that's how great businesses along, start. <laughs> along the way, everybody's like, "Why don't you sell croissants and muffins?" I'm like, "I don't know how to because I'm not a trained baker. I'm an actor and a musician. So uh, it will always only be cookies, mostly just based out of the fact that I don't know how to do anything else." Craig, thank you so much for joining us today, for talking to us about Pride Month and, you know, and and also just sharing the success of your company. Uh, like I said, I am a customer. I have been many times to a few of your locations. Um, they're always a big hit. It's a nice break from bringing pastries or a cake when you go to someone's house for a dinner. You bring cookies because everybody loves cookies, right? It, it, there's something just nostalgic about eating a cookie. Like it makes you feel like a kid again. And I think exactly, we all want yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And, you know, we have over 100 different flavors. So uh, the fun thing is, is when you do go to parties, you can bring different flavors every time and everybody gets excited and comes around the box and tries to figure out what kind they are. So it's uh, it's good fun for sure. And if anyone hasn't seen, uh, hasn't been to one of Craig's uh, cookie stores, Craig's Cookies in Toronto, it's a, it's a distinct pink box with a heart sticker on it. You can't miss it. It's kind of becoming like the Tiffany box. It's that color that you just can't miss. You know, oh, and then you've well, got that, that Tiffany blue, you've, got the, you've got the cookie pink, whatever you want to call oh, it. But that's great. You always recognize it when someone's walking in the door with one of those. So um, uh, congratulations on everything. Happy Pride to you. And thanks so much uh, for, for bringing the cookies into our lives. I appreciate that. Oh, thanks. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, you too. That's Craig Pike. He's the owner of the Toronto-based company Craig's Cookies, uh, talking about rainbow washing a lot of big corporations have got on board when it comes to pride merchandise and supporting pride but are they doing the work the other 11 months of the year craig had a lot to say about that and also about how he grew his business during the pandemic the last three years have been very difficult for small businesses but he was able to grow his business and continue to add storefront uh, at a time when many businesses were closing. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Father's Day and a new survey that shows that many working dads would be willing to take a pay cut if they could work remotely. I'm Rabina Ahmad Huck, and this is for what it's worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Huck. This 
weekend, we're celebrating fathers and father figures in our lives. And there's a new survey that reveals what matters most to working dads. In this new normal after the pandemic, many dads are looking for flexibility and more work-life balance. And they're actually willing to sacrifice pay in order to get it. To talk about this survey, we are joined by Mike Sheckman. He's a senior regional director at the recruiting firm Robert Half. They conducted the survey on what working dads want. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Mike, I first want to start by saying happy Father's Day to you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend with your family. Uh, what did this survey reveal about what working dads are looking for from their employer? I appreciate that. Uh, so so what uh, what we've seen with Father's Day and what dads are, are actually looking for is that flexibility continues to be a hot topic. Uh, and not only that, but that hybrid work options uh, continue to be a key priority for working dads. Uh, specifically, actually, we've seen that 87% of those that are exploring new opportunities are interested in a hybrid or fully remote uh, positions. Now, when you add also the fact that 32% of those individuals are also citing that flexibility is going to be a key motivator uh, in planning to look for a new opportunity as well. Now, when we talk about work-life balance, there's been a lot of focus on working mothers. Uh, survey after survey has shown that working mothers are finally finding the work-life balance that they have been craving for decades through remote work and hybrid work. Uh, but fathers value flexibility too, like you said, the hybrid model, the remote model. Tell me a little bit about how important it is for fathers uh, to be at home um, in a flexible work life with their flexible with their work life, what that means for them. With that question, you know, moms carried a heavier childcare burden. That's uh, that's for sure. And that was especially evident through the pandemic once it hit us. Uh, but we also have to recognize that there's uh, an overarching societal pressure of being financially secure as a, as a, as a working dad. Uh, and that can cause organizations to carry a little bit of a, a, a bias around that lens. So assuming that a father may not require flexibility or time off to unplug uh, can be really detrimental for uh, somebody's mental health uh, and wellness. So flexibility for dads can really go a long way in alleviating some of that personal pressure uh, and offering support for your partner. So it could be uh, something small, like fathers being present and having the ability to step up to take their kids to appointments, activities, uh, birthday parties. It's invaluable and important today more than ever. Yeah, I can say from my own experience, uh, my husband now works one day in the city and four days at home. That was not the case before the pandemic. He very much had a sort of 6.30 a.m. to didn't get home till 7 p.m. kind of work day. And it's taken a lot of pressure off of me. Um, he's taken on jobs now that I always was doing on a daily basis that just naturally he started doing them. And I know that that's something that is echoed through a lot of households because now they have time. They have the time to actually uh, be a contributing member uh, when it comes to the childcare because they're home to do that. Um, I know in your survey, it found that uh, some working dads are actually willing to take a pay cut um, if the job offers more flexibility. Tell me a little bit more about that. It, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see and refreshing to see that 29% of working dads would accept a salary reduction to be uh, and have the opportunity to work fully remote. 
Uh, this data alone is showing that we continue to see that move from the traditional thought process that people have that dads are just there to provide and be the protector of the family. And I think that we need to remove that. And we've evolved as a society uh, that some dads actually see flexibility equates to money. Uh, and what it means is that spending meaningful time with your child before or maybe even after school instead of paying for after school care uh, is important for a lot of families. So varied level of flexibility, as you alluded to, um, you know, it could be even as small as requiring to, to commute, even if it is a couple of days a week. And if you're saving that commute uh, and if you're factoring that in, getting that time back in a day just integrates that balance and allows you to integrate work and life, which, uh, which equates to um, a much happier, um, happier families. Now, the pandemic uh, revealed a lot about what work life is like for for men and women, uh, for people who work in all different types of jobs. All of a sudden, through Zoom, through other video conferencing, we were in each other's homes. We were experiencing the fact that they, you know, our colleagues have children and animals and other things that are happening uh, that we never would have been really privy to because we were always uh, in an office environment where you didn't really hear or, or at least see um, any anything that related to their family life. What did what did the pandemic do for working dads um, to show what is essential for them to have um, a work life they want? Well, I think what the pandemic has done is, is allowed uh, dads um, and, and families to reprioritize what's important to them. And then we've seen that firsthand. Uh, and we've seen the pandemic as accelerate parents to move towards that shared responsibility uh, whether it is those household chores, whether it's scheduling, whether it's family activities, um, I'll be, I'll, I was guilty of it myself. I didn't know when drop off was, when pickup time was, uh, when it was time to uh, go to soccer practice or dentist appointments. So uh, I think spending more time at home uh, has a lot of individuals to, again, get a little bit more present in terms of the, the household responsibility that comes with it. Uh, and the traditional thinking of putting your work before your family has shifted, which is really good news for, for everybody. Uh, we're just moving away from a mindset where it's career or family. It can be both, which is uh, good news for all. What do you make? Um, there's a recent story, uh, sorry to throw a, a, a sort of curveball at you. There's a recent story, Martha Stewart, for example, saying uh, that we need to all get back into the office. Like we can't, we can't survive like this. This is not, this is going to impede uh, um, a business growth. It's going to stop creativity. What do you say to that sentiment? A lot of people sort of wanting to go back to the way things were before the pandemic where uh, most of us were in the, in the office nine to five. I think we have to have a mindset where it's not two different camps that are battling one another. Uh, and I think it's, we have to shift it where there, it needs to be an and approach, which I just uh, somewhat alluded to. Uh, you can build and create a, an, a work model that allows you to um, you know, come together with purpose and have that sense of community and creativity and still have that sense of where you can uh, have those, um, you know, micro conversations uh, in the bullpen or in the kitchen, and yet have the flexibility at times to uh, integrate your your personal uh, 
uh, commitments that may come up. So uh, we need to be able to pull both ends of the spectrum uh, and ensure that the work model that um, that and create a little bit of the work model that um, that works well for for all stakeholders, which is going to be critical. You know, what we have to think about is that the pandemic is giving us the opportunity to work with a bit of a white canvas. It doesn't need, doesn't mean that we need to go back to what it was pre-pandemic. Let's create something that, again, is meaningful, that uh, can still drive innovation, creativity, diversity, uh, and yet give people the flexibility to take care of, of their home uh, front responsibilities as well. We're speaking to Mike Schechtman. He is with Robert Half. They did a survey on working dads and what they want in this post-pandemic new normal work life that we are now in. I, Mike, I found it really interesting that nine out of 10 in your survey say that when they're exploring new job opportunities, they're looking for hybrid or fully remote models. What can companies uh, take from that uh, when it comes to uh, when they are hiring uh, and when they are managing the uh, men in their workforce? Our organization needs to to continue to be creative in terms of how they're hiring and where possible do offer that flexibility and hybrid work models. Uh, if you don't, I think the, the, the data is showing you that you may squeeze out the talent uh, that you require in terms of uh, what you're looking to, to achieve. So it's important for organizations to to listen to what the market is uh, what the market is asking, and despite some of the headwinds that we're seeing, just in terms of uh, the market, uh, and and May was the first month that we actually see uh, unemployment actually uh, the rate increase just by 0.2 of a percentage, and this is the first time we've seen that um, rise since uh, August of 2022. Uh, but it's very much continues to be a labor short market, which means that as a candidate driven market. Uh, people have choice, and if somebody does decide that um, a fl the flexibility uh, and that um, a hybrid work model works best for them, you may miss out on that uh, on that talent. Mike, how has your life changed uh, with this in this new normal? Uh, you alluded to a couple of things that you just didn't weren't aware of because, like I said, with my husband too, like he just. Mm -hmm didn't know those things even happened, right? Until he was here all the time seeing it happen. How is, has work changed for you in the last three years? You know, I would say that I, I continue to to learn. And and I think that um, the, the blessing that uh, unfortunately uh, the pandemic is giving me is that I've never been closer to my children uh, and having the ability to connect with them on a different level uh, and uh, again, be present as a, as a father. Um, it's given me a, a greater, a greater respect to uh, what's required to 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 manage the household as well. Um, so it's still a journey. It's still a learning. And uh, my wife reminds me every day uh, that uh, I need to continue to step up. But uh, it's uh, it's certainly been um, it's certainly been an experience and an appreciation that uh, that goes a long way. Mike, that's lovely the way you put it, that you've never been closer to your kids. I think that a lot of working parents, moms and dads are feeling that way because we've just gotten so much time back uh, by not having to commute in every day. It's not about never going into the office, but about not having to go into the office when it's not necessary, when you can do that, that work from home quite easily and quite effectively. Thank you so much for joining us today on the program and, and, uh, and talking about this survey. And happy Father's Day to you, Mike. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. 
That's Mike Schechtman. He's a senior regional director at the recruiting firm Robert Half. They conducted a survey with working dads asking them, what do you really want in this new normal? We know what flexibility and remote work now looks like with so many of us who are working from home for the last three years. And now this survey shows that many dads would be willing to take a pay cut if they could get more flexibility. Nine out of 10 of dads, working dads they spoke to say that when they're looking for a new job, they're looking for that hybrid or fully remote model. So that's something that companies really will have to step up and offer. Otherwise, they're going to lose, like Mike said, talented uh, individuals. They're going to lose uh, workers that would have been more than happy working at that company because another company is willing to offer them a little bit more of that flexibility and time with their family. When we come back, Martha Stewart... The style and home guru is coming under some criticism after she made some comments about how we need to all get back into the office and get back to work. And especially when it comes to working moms, a lot of people are taking issue with what she's saying because this new hybrid and remote model has brought a lot of work-life balance to many working parents that they never had before. I'm going to talk about what she said and why people are taking so much issue with it when we come back. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Well, that brings us to almost the end of our show. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for listening for the last hour. I hope you got something out of it. I really enjoyed speaking uh, to Craig from Craig's Cookies about the success that he's been having with his company and also what companies can do to authentically celebrate Pride Month. There's been a lot of what he calls rainbow washing happening at big corporations where they're selling merchandise and they're putting up posters, but are they doing the work the other 11 months of the year to really spread the positive message that Pride Month uh, aims to do. And that's something that he says that companies can do year round. It doesn't have to just be in June. And using the example of Target, which he admitted that he didn't know much about, but the story really is, is that they had merchandise in their stores. Many people complained, boycotted Target and their reaction the merchandise. Does that really show that the company is being authentic in their support for the Pride, uh, for Pride Month and for uh, that community? Uh, a lot of people saying that this shows really what their true colors are. Uh, and also that conversation with Mike from uh, Robert Half, Mike Schechtman talking about a new survey that shows working dads would be willing to take a pay cut if they could have more flexibility in their job. And so that really does highlight how much workers value work-life balance, flexibility in this post-pandemic new normal that we are working in. It's not um, it, it's not working moms, it's working moms and working dads, both asking for more flexibility. And like he said, he gets to enjoy so much more time with his kids and feels closer to them than he ever has been because of the way that we are working right now remotely and in this hybrid model. I wanted to highlight a story that I read about uh, earlier this week. Uh, Martha Stewart speaking to a website called Footwear News. 
doesn't have anything to do with footwear, but that's the company footwear news. Um, talking about, you know, this new normal that we are living in and, you know, her position right now and all the things that she's been doing. I mean, she's appeared on the cover of sports illustrated. She obviously continues to be very uh, successful in her business. She continues to come up with new products, new wines, new uh, products that she's selling in stores. And she's a, a very successful woman that a lot of women would want to emulate. So if you're coming up and you're trying to start a business, you may want to uh, look to her and say, what did she do that I could do that would help me grow my business as well. But she made a comment about how people need to get back into the office and that the way that we are working right now is really going to hinder creativity and that we can't uh, continue to work in this hybrid and remote model because eventually uh, that's going to stunt growth that's going to stunt creativity and really putting pressure on women saying that if you know if you want to have that career growth if you want to be able to get that big pay raise that you're going to have to get back into the office and that is raising the ire of a lot of people because she's someone that many people look up to many people have taken issue with her saying that because Hybrid and remote work has given working mothers, especially the work-life balance that they have been craving for decades. They have gotten hours back in their day. They're more available uh, to their families because they can work from home. And the last three years have proven that you can work from home effectively, that you can produce good work without having to go into the office. Uh, so I take issue as well with Martha Stewart coming out and making these statements that people need to get back into the office and that she compares it to France. She compared, uh, you know, work-life balance to France, how France takes most of August off as a holiday and how that's not a country where the economy is doing well. Look at what's happening, she basically said to their economy. Why would, and this is speaking for her, from her American perspective, why would America want to follow that model? Now, going on vacation for a month and working from home are two different things. Uh, you're still producing when you are working from home and being at home does not mean that you are on vacation, uh, but really does show that we are still working through what this new normal is going to look like and that there are still people on both sides. Um, I do believe that in five or six years that most companies are going to ask people to come back into the office because uh, in the end, if businesses are calling people in and their profits are rising, their competitors are going to see that as a, as a disadvantage and they're going to call their workforce in so they can remain competitive. That's unfortunate because Work from home has really been a benefit for many working parents. I do believe, though, that working from home no longer has the stigma it had before March 2020. Before then, if you said you were working from home, people usually thought it was code for not doing much work at all. We know that that's not true. We know that we can get good work done at home without having to go into the office and spend those hours commuting. And yes, it's important to meet with colleagues face to face. It's important to be in the office from time to time, but we don't need to do it Monday to Friday, nine to five, not for every job. Some jobs have to be done in person. You can't be a surgeon from home, right? There's some, some jobs that just, you simply have to go in. But for many jobs that are done through computers, they're done from an office environment, 
they can be done from home. And that is going to continue to give flexibility, especially to working parents of young children that need it the most. That brings us to the end of our program. Thanks to everyone who listened for the last hour. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Learn something a little bit about your personal finances and your workplace. I know a lot of us are trying to navigate our way through this new normal and um, everything is in flux whether it's workplace, your personal finances, all these things are changing so much, uh, not just week to week. It feels like day to day. So we will continue to bring those stories to you on a weekly basis. I wanted to thank Bilal Masri, our technical producer, for putting the show together. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in and listening. You can always reach us online. You can reach me on Instagram and Twitter just by searching my name, Rubina Ahmad Huck. You can also get uh, get me through the website if you go to the For What It's Worth website on the Chorus Network. And I would love to hear from you. If there's any story that we haven't covered that you think needs covering when it comes to personal finance or workplace, I'd love to hear what that is. We will see you here next week, same time, same place. I'm Rabina Ahmad-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.